Hi, this is Ask Mom RN with your host, Tamara Walker. I'm a mom of two, a pediatric registered nurse, and your friend. I give practical advice to raise a healthier, safer, and happier family. As a parent, you need to make sure that you get your health and parenting questions answered by a healthcare expert. Now, I know as a nurse and as a mom that there is so much information out there, and sometimes it's hard to sort through what is really good advice from the bad advice or, you know, what you should do in certain parenting situations or if you have a question or concern about your child's health. Well, today I am going to answer your questions and emails. And this is one of my favorite shows to do. We've done this once before about three months ago, and I thought it would be great to do again because I love to hear from all of you, and I want to answer your questions and make sure that you're getting good information to help you to raise healthier and safer and happier kids. And so we have four questions we're going to address today. And if you have a question that you would like answered on a future show, I would love for you to send me the question via email at momrn at momrn.com. Or you can connect with us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash askmomrnshow. And you can send me a message if you don't want to post it on the page itself. You can message me. I'm the only one that will read it. And if you want me to just message you back privately to answer the question, I'm happy to do that. Or if you'd like it answered on a future show, let me know. Because we are always interested in hearing from all of you. And we have some great questions that were sent in today. So we're going to get right into it. And our first question has to do with parenting styles. This is a question from Kelly, and Kelly says, My spouse and I cannot agree about how to parent our children. I'm strict, and he's laid back. How can we find a way that will help keep us both happy? I expect our kids to meet high standards, but he wants to just let kids be kids. Help. Kelly, this is such a common problem that parents face when it comes to marriage the top three stressors in a marriage that cause the most arguments are parenting money and sex so parenting a kid or you know if you have one child or several children it's stressful and When you have two people from different backgrounds, even if you were kind of raised similarly, you weren't raised exactly the same. And you have your own opinions and thoughts about how things should be done. There's going to be disagreements. And my husband and I have raised two kids together. Both of our kids are in their 20s. We have a 25-year-old and a 22-year-old. And I remember several times when they were growing up where we disagreed on how to handle certain situations. And occasionally we would argue about the right way to either discipline one of the kids 
or about an important parenting decision that was going to affect our child's life. And it's not fun to disagree with your partner and it's frustrating and it can cause anger. It can cause a lot of feelings of tension and just, you know, wanting to be heard and understood and you can really butt heads over parenting your kids. You know, and sometimes because I have a background of being a pediatric nurse, I've also been a professional child care provider. I've also been watching kids babysitting since I was seven years old. And I am the oldest of six children, whereas my husband is an only child. He didn't really have experience taking care of kids wasn't really around younger kids much when he was growing up. And so the tendency sometimes would be that I would think, well, you know, I know a lot more about parenting than he does. And so I'm right and he's wrong or he should listen to me because, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Well, that's really not a good attitude to have. And I found that I really needed to step back and listen to my husband and what his thoughts and opinions were and to not think that I knew better than he did what our kids needed. Because, you know, what I realized was there were certain times where he knew better than I did what was best for our child in that situation or what our child needed. And I also had to realize that just like I do, he always has their best interest at heart. He wants what is best for our children, just like I do. So I had to learn to be open to his thoughts and his opinions, because as their dad, his input is just as valid and necessary as my input. And so we really had to learn to come together and make decisions together. And if we disagreed about something, then we had to find a compromise or a way to work as a team. Because, like I said before, how to raise and discipline a child is one of the leading causes of arguments between parents. In fact, there was a study done several years ago that reported 90% of couples and that responded to this study reported having more arguments after having a baby. And when you have two parents who have been raised in different families, so they've been raised differently from each other, it's no wonder that you're going to have some differing thoughts and opinions and disagreements on how things should be done. Because for most of us, we tend to kind of parent the way that we were parented. Unless, you know, obviously if there was, you know, something very dysfunctional going on or something, you know, we, we tend to go to what we know and we tend to do what our parents did. And so we have to remember that when there are those disagreements, We've got to find a way to work together and become a team because here's the truth. 
our kids need us to be a team and they need their parents to be on the same page when it comes to parenting and discipline. Because when the kids know that the parents disagree, there's going to be confusion about what the expectations are. There can also be some manipulation on the kids' parts if they know they can play mom against dad or dad against mom because they know the parents are not in agreement on you know what a decision about parenting should be or what discipline should be done. Those kids, kids are smart. They can play parents, and you don't want them pitting one against the other. You know, it's in our children's best interest for us to be a team and present a united front. So I would encourage you, if you're going through this, sit down with your husband, discuss what is important to each of you when it comes to parenting your kids, and keep in mind that, you know, as a parent, it's our job that we help our kids learn how to become independent and responsible members of society. So how do you see that being accomplished? And how does your spouse see that? Come up with a list of some of the big issues and how you can both agree to handle them. And if you feel very strongly about how to handle a particular situation, then you need to explain why you feel the way you do and also be open to listen to your husband or your co-parents thoughts and opinions on it too, because you each may learn that the other has valid reasons for handling some of the issues in a different manner than you do. Okay. Just because you think you know the right way doesn't always mean it is the right way. And maybe there's more than one right way. And with smaller issues, you need to decide to choose your battles wisely. You need to determine that what is truly important, what, what is truly important and what is negotiable. You have to do your best to come to a consensus on as many issues as possible for the sake of your kids and for family harmony. So work together as a team. So, Kelly, good luck to you. I would encourage you to sit down, talk with your husband, and, and do it in a very open manner. Listen to each other. Don't get defensive. Don't start thinking of what you're going to say before they finish talking. Really, truly listen because you both love your children. You both have your children's best interests at heart. And you want what's best for them. So find a way to work together as a team. So if you are like Kelly and you're going through this, you have to remember to work together as a team to parent your child and not allow differences of opinion to stop you from doing what is in the best interest of your child. Our next question comes from Lisa, and it has to do with ear infections, which is a common problem in childhood, and lots of kids deal with ear infections. And Lisa says, 
My kid seems to get ear infections in the summer after he's been swimming a lot. Are ear infections caused by swimming? This is a great question, Lisa. My kids went through several ear infections when they were growing up, and it's definitely no fun. So I sympathize with you and with your child, um, you know, your son. It's, it's miserable. Ear infections are just awful. And one of my kids, uh, my oldest, we almost had to get ear tubes. We even had to consult with an ear, nose, and throat doctor and came very close to getting ear tubes. Um, fortunately, the doctor decided to do kind of a wait-and-see approach because my son was getting ready to turn a year old and, um, and the weather was getting warmer. He thought, you know, let's just see. If he gets another ear infection, we'll do tubes. But if not, then um, we'll just wait. And thankfully, he didn't end up needing them. But a lot of kids end up needing ear tubes, especially if they have frequent bouts of middle ear infections. Now, fortunately, what it sounds like your son is probably getting is what's called swimmer's ear, which is an outer ear infection, an external ear infection that's outside of the eardrum. It's not in the middle ear. And so that type of ear infection usually does not require ear tubes. And it can be frequently, it's caused by swimming. That's why, you know, a lot of people refer to it as swimmer's ear. So there's two different types of ear infections. There's the middle ear infection, which usually comes from, like, congestion and, you know, from a cold. And um, then the fluid moves into the middle ear just as it does into the sinuses. And where there's fluid, then bacteria can grow, and that triggers an infection. But with an external ear infection or swimmer's ear, pool water isn't actually passing through the ear canal into the middle ear, but it can collect in the outer ear, and it, that can leave it open to bacteria. And these irritations are most common among kids who spend a lot of time in unclean water, like lake water, as opposed to a swimming pool. Or if they have like a minor cut in their outer ear, either from, you know, they've scratched it with their fingernails or they've used a cotton swab and scratched it, that can cause an infection too. But kids can get swimmer's ear from swimming in chlorinated pools even. So if your child seems to be prone to having these ear infections after swimming a lot, then here are some things that you need to do. You can try using earplugs. They aren't always effective, but they can be. And so you might try the earplugs. You might also check with your doctor, your child's doctor, about whether it's okay to use a few drops of diluted vinegar or hydrogen peroxide in the ears after your son goes swimming, after he's through that can block the growth of bacteria and prevent an infection from happening. Now, if he already has an external ear infection, then a lot of times that might need antibiotic eardrops, as well as they might need ibuprofen or Tylenol, acetaminophen, to ease the pain. So if you are like Lisa and you have a child who seems to be getting frequent earaches or infections after swimming, 
then try the earplugs. Check with your child's doctor about whether it's okay to use drops in the ear, um, either vinegar or diluted vinegar or hydrogen peroxide. And make sure that you have your child dry their ears really well after swimming. Don't be sticking cotton swabs up in there. But they can take their towel, they can dry it, can use a cotton ball, um, maybe need to hold their head to one side for a few minutes and then to the other side. And that can help drain out that water and hopefully prevent them from getting an infection. Our next question is about dealing with a strong-willed child. And this comes from Angie. And Angie says, my daughter is so strong-willed. No matter what I say, she always does the opposite. How can I encourage her to follow the rules and guidelines of our family and beyond? Oh, Angie, I know that this is frustrating. And this actually affects a lot more parents than you would think because there's a lot of kids that could be called strong-willed out there. And strong-willed kids can challenge even the best parents' parenting skills. I have a teenage nephew who's 15. He's almost 16 years old. And when he was younger, he was a very strong-willed child. And his behavior could actually be pretty out of control at times. And there were times when we worried about what kind of kid is this is he going to grow up to be? What kind of adult is he going to grow up to be? But fortunately, through years of love and patience and consistent teaching and discipline, he is growing up to be a kind and respectful and wonderful young man. And we're very proud of him and how he is growing. And, um, you know, being strong-willed is not all bad. And the truth of having to deal with a strong-willed child is that trying to change a child's behavior is a process, and it requires consistency and plenty of patience. And I know that raising a strong-willed child will try your patience. Raising any child is going to try your patience. I mean, let's face it, kids can try our patience, but especially when they're, you know, not obeying or they're defiant or they want their own way all the time or they're just, you know, they, they're going to do what they're going to do. It doesn't matter what you tell them. That can be hard to deal with and it can really just take it out of you as a parent. But there are things that you can do to try to help your child because, you know, remember, like I said earlier, the goal of raising our children is that they become independent, responsible, contributing members of society. We want them to be good citizens. We want them to, you know, be happy and healthy. And so we don't need to approach it as, you know, I'm going to break this child. I'm going to change them completely. I'm going to you know, make them know who's boss. You need to just take a step back from your emotions and focus on what is most important for this child. 
what is in the best interest of them and what do we need to do to tackle some of this misbehavior and how do we redirect it and how do we discipline them and help them change. So you need to start by choosing one or two behaviors that your daughter is exhibiting that you want to change and work on. You know, probably best to do one at a time. But, you know, if they're minor behaviors, maybe a couple at a time. Because it takes time to change. I mean, we know that in ourselves. When we're wanting to make a change in our lives, it's not an overnight process. Habits take time to change. And often behaviors become habits. So talk with your daughter. Explain what the consequences of each behavior is going to be. And what behavior you want her to do instead. Now, you have to choose a consequence that you know you can consistently enforce. Because consistency is key. Let me repeat that. Consistency is key. When it comes to disciplining your child and helping them learn to correct their behaviors, you have to be consistent and follow what you say. If one time your child misbehaves and they do something they're not supposed to do, like they um, didn't clean up their toys after they played, and the rule is, is that they're supposed to clean up their toys before they go on to something else. So they didn't clean up their toys, and one time you're just, you know, you're not in the mood to fight about it. You don't want to deal with it. You just let it go. And then the next time that it happens, you get really upset and you ground them or you threaten to throw their toys away or, you know, some other over-the-top response. Your child is not going to know what to expect each time. And when they don't know what to expect, and they don't have that consistency of what the consequence will be each time, they're going to test their limits. They're going to push. They're going to do whatever they want to do because, you know, okay, I might get in trouble. I might not, you know, but getting in trouble might be minor or it might be major. And it's very confusing for them. And it's not fair. It's really not fair to our kids to be inconsistent and not let them know what the expectations are and to not follow through with those expectations and those consequences. So you need to choose a consequence that you is, uh, can consistently enforce, is realistic, and is appropriate for your child's age and for the particular behavior. Make sure that, you know, you try to be fair. Yes, life is not always fair, but the point of disciplining our kids is not, oh, I'm doling out punishment because I'm angry. That's not what discipline should be. Discipline is teaching them, helping them learn, here's what behavior is expected, and here's what the consequence will be if you don't follow through with that behavior or if you misbehave because when our kids get out into society as adults 
they need to know that there's consequences for their actions, that there are rules of society we all have to follow. And yeah, life is not always fair, but we need to try to be fair and just in choosing what is appropriate for which behavior and make sure that we are disciplining in love and out of teaching our children, not just punishing because we're angry or upset that they misbehaved. So you need to talk with your child about her behavior. And if she's in school or a child care program and her behavior has been an issue there, talk with her about her behavior, how your, her behavior will be handled um, with her teacher. Sit down and talk with her teachers and talk with your child about the importance of everyone following the rules at school because those rules are meant to protect and to help everyone to learn and to stay safe. And another way that you can deal with misbehavior or bad behaviors is to find ways to show your child a more appropriate behavior that still fulfills her need for independence and is an outlet for her energy. And for very young children, sometimes just redirecting the child's attention can be an effective means of changing behaviors. So remember that even though it can sometimes feel like the struggle of raising a strong-willed child is a curse, there's actually a lot of successful adults who were once strong-willed kids. And some of those strong-willed traits could turn out to be a blessing. The strong-willed children are typically very independent and they sometimes can become the biggest world changers because they are so determined and independent and they can be great people. And so you want to channel those behaviors and those traits into positive attributes. So if you're like Angie and you're struggling with a child who is strong-willed, I would recommend that you follow these tips Try to change one behavior at a time. Make your expectations very clear. Lay out what the consequence will be and make sure that it's something you can consistently enforce and is realistic and appropriate for their age and their behavior. And I also recommend the book by Dr. James Dobson called The Strong-Willed Child. That has some great advice in there as well. So, Best wishes to you, Angie. Good luck to you and to your daughter. Our next and final question is from Andrea. And Andrea wants to know, how can I tell if my child needs stitches for a cut? Andrea, this is a great question because so many kids get a cut And it can be hard to tell sometimes whether this is something that requires stitches or whether you can just clean it up and put some antibiotic ointment and Band-Aids on and it'll be fine. So I understand your concern because it's scary when our kids get hurt and we want to do what's best for them 
and what's going to be the healthiest for them and in their best interest. Now, I've gone through this a few times with my own kids. My youngest child had stitches for the first time when he was only nine months old. He was learning to walk. He was an early walker. And the very first day that he had taken his first steps alone, um, he had been doing it a few times. And then that evening, I was showing um, one of my daycare parents who had come to pick up her child. I was doing daycare in our home at the time. Um, she came to pick up her child who was close in age to my son. And I said, you know, look what he's learned to do today. And he started to take some steps. And then he all of a sudden turned and he walked right into a wooden glider rocker and busted open his eyebrow. Nine months old. I was horrified. And felt horribly guilty that I wasn't right there to catch him, even though I was only a few steps away. I mean, he he literally had only taken a few steps from me, but I wasn't able to catch him in time. And he had not been heading anywhere near that rocker, um, so I thought he was safe if he fell. But he just happened to turn right at the wrong moment and got tripped up. And unfortunately, his eyebrow was... It was a small wound. It wasn't very long, but it was gaping open. And I was like, dang, a gaping open wound that won't stay closed when you try to hold it together and you let go and it it gapes back open. Even though it didn't look deep, I knew that it wasn't going to stay closed with just a bandage. And it was on his face. And that's another thing that is of concern. If you have a cut on the face or on the neck, you know, you don't want that to scar terribly and you want to get it taken care of. So if you are concerned about whether your child's cut needs stitches or not, there are some rules that you need to follow. It can be tempting to wait and see. But the truth is, if the cut does end up needing stitches, it is really best to get those done within 24 hours of the injury. And some cuts actually need to be stitched within eight hours. So if you are in doubt, if you think, you know, this might need stitches, but I'm not sure, it is really best to get it checked out and let a medical professional determine because they will be able to tell you whether or not you know, it really truly needs to be stitched up. You know, the concern with waiting too long is that infection could set in and it could also be more difficult to get the edges to come together to be able to do the stitches. So if you think it might need stitches, it's best to get it checked out. And while there's a lot of cuts that can be treated with some disinfectant and a bandage, it's important to know some of these things that can indicate whether you need stitches. So you need to get medical attention for any cut that is still bleeding after you've been applying pressure for five minutes. So if your child has a cut and it's bleeding, you want to use clean gauze. If you have gauze in your first aid kit, or if you don't have gauze, grab some clean paper towels or a clean cloth. Put pressure over the wound and keep it on there for five minutes. 
If it's still bleeding after five minutes, a lot, you definitely need to get it checked out. If it's still bleeding just a little, you might try applying pressure for a few more minutes. If it's still bleeding at 10 minutes, definitely get it checked out. If it is gaping, like my son's on his eyebrow, it would not just come together. It was a gaping wound, even though it was shallow. Or if it's a wide or a long wound, if it appears to be deep, if you can see what looks like, you know, muscle or fat or bone, you'll need to get it checked out, definitely. If the cut is on your child's face or neck, you want to get it checked out. Or if it's over a joint, especially if it's a finger joint, um, you want to get that checked out because you know, if it's on their face or neck, you want to try to minimize scarring as much as possible. And if it's over a joint, then it's going to be very difficult every time that joint bends, especially like a finger, it's going to be difficult to keep that wound closed to heal. We just went through this very recently with my oldest child, um, just like a month ago. He was uh, over here at my house working on a prop that he was making for um, a, an anime convention he was going to. And if you haven't listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago about cosplay, we kind of mentioned um, in passing about this. I interviewed my son about cosplay, and uh, he was creating this prop for one of his characters that he was cosplaying for the anime convention we were going to. And he was using like a box knife or an exacto type knife to cut through some foam board. And somehow it slipped and cut his thumb. And it was right over the um, middle joint of his thumb. The cut was on the side of it and it was bleeding profusely. And we ended up going to the emergency room and he had to get a few stitches. And when they evaluated it after they got it cleaned up and they took a look at it, fortunately it was shallow and it didn't nick a tendon or, you know, any major um, vessels or anything, but it was being over a joint. The problem is, is, you know, they, they offered, you know, we could try the uh, skin bandage, the liquid bandage, skin glue, which a lot of people think is identical to super glue. It's actually a little bit different formula. It's safer than just using super glue. Super glue is not really that safe for skin, um, but it's, it's similar to super glue. And, you know, they said, you know, we could try that instead of stitches, but the problem is, is with it being over a joint, it may not hold and it may just continue to open up. So they really recommended that stitches would be better. So you need to, you know, make sure that you get it checked out if it's over a joint. And if the wound has any glass or other debris in it, dirty, um, has an object sticking out of it, like a twig, or, you know, if something's impaled it that cut it, you want to definitely 
get medical attention. If the wound is spurting blood, then that may be because an artery has been nicked. And it definitely needs to be treated immediately. And a common concern with cuts is also whether or not a tetanus shot is necessary. So if your child has a cut and they have not had a tetanus shot within the last five years, then they might need one to protect against infection. And especially if the wound was caused by rusty metal or if the wound got contaminated with dirt or saliva or if they got bitten by an animal and that's what caused the wound, you need to get them checked out and get a tetanus shot if they haven't had one in the last five years. And the tetanus shot must be given within 48 hours after the wound happened. So it needs to be done pretty quickly. The sooner the shot is given, the better, because that will help lower the risk of infection. So if you are like Andrea and you are concerned about whether or not stitches are needed, if your child gets a cut, it's better, in my opinion, to be safe than sorry and to get it checked out. If you think that it might need stitches, it very possibly may. And like I said, we've been through this with my kids. My youngest son has had stitches twice. My oldest has had stitches once now. Um, but I've also had other friends who have, uh, you know, brought their kids to me. I used to have a, a neighbor who her son would get hurt a lot. He was quite the daredevil. And, um, you know, she'd call me up and say, can you come look and see if I should take him, if this really needs stitches or not? Um you know, we hate when our kids get hurt and we want to do what's best for them. So if you're in doubt, get it checked out. Moms, you need to make sure that you get your health and your parenting questions answered by a healthcare expert. You have the right and you deserve to get good quality information. And there's a lot of wonderful information out there on the Internet. There's a lot of great advice. But sometimes there's not so great advice either, and it can be hard to sort through. So it's my goal with these shows to make sure that you are getting good quality information that can help you with raising a a safer and healthier and happier child. So... If you're having issues with disagreements with parenting your child, you need to remember to work together as a team to parent your child and not allow differences of opinion to stop you from what is best, from doing what is best for your child, what is in the best interest of your child. If you are getting... um, I'm sorry, if you're struggling with raising a strong-willed child, remember that there's actually a lot of successful adults who were once strong-willed kids. Some of these strong-willed traits could turn out to be a blessing. Love your child as they are. Have the goal to help them learn and to change their behaviors. Be consistent with your discipline and loving with your discipline and appropriate. And... Remember that being strong-willed is not always a curse. 
If your child seems to be getting a lot of earaches or infections after swimming, try earplugs. Talk with your doctor about whether you can use hydrogen peroxide drops after swimming to help dry it up and keep bacteria from forming. And be sure to have your child dry his ears well after swimming. And then finally, if you're not certain about whether stitches are needed or not, when your child gets a cut, consult a medical professional. It's better to be safe than sorry. So again, you deserve to have your questions and your concerns answered. You have a right to have quality information and advice from the healthcare professionals that you consult. And my goal is to make sure that I give you as much good information and advice as possible to help you with raising your kids. So this is Tamara Walker of Ask Mom RN. I want to thank you for joining me today and invite you to send in your questions. If you have a question about parenting or health or safety, I would love to hear from you. So connect with me by visiting momrn.com. That's where you can find all of our past episodes that you may have missed. And you can um, send me a question through the website. My email address is on there. The email address is momrn at momrn.com. And if you would put um, ask momrn question in the subject line, that will help it to stand out to me. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, and that is facebook.com forward slash Show. And I would love for you to go and check out the page, connect with me there. If you haven't liked the page, I would encourage you to do so. We also have a moms group that we've started, and that is called Moms Raising Happy, Healthy Families. And that is on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. So if you would like to join us there, you can go to Facebook and just search for Moms Raising Happy, Healthy Families and join our community there. would love to connect with you and hear from you. If you have a topic idea or a guest suggestion, I'd also love to hear from you. Thank you for joining me this week. I look forward to being back with you next week on Ask Mom RN. 